0: Welcome to Chick Chat, the Baby Chick Podcast. I'm your host, Nina Spears, the Baby Chick, and today I'm here with Mary Alice, a student midwife, a doula, as well as our manager and editor here at Baby Chick. We're here doling out no-nonsense pregnancy and parenting advice. We've worked with hundreds of families and have condensed all that we've learned to bring you simple, practical, and immediate advice for preventing parenting conundrums. So you guys, are you past your due date and ready to get the ball rolling? Today, Mary Alice and I are talking about the ways to naturally induce labor. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Chick Chat. We're back. (laughs) And we're talking about getting that baby out. Get It
1: out. (laughs) Maybe you can't see your feet anymore.
0: Yeah, and maybe you're so ready to meet this baby. I know I was at the end of my pregnancy.
1: Pretty much everyone gets like the antsy. I don't know any women who are like, like, no. Let's just at their due date forever. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody's pretty much done. Yeah,
0: I know I was, but. A cool statistic that I always like to remind my clients, and I know Mary Alice does the same with her doula clients and midwifery clients, is that, guys, on average, women go eight days past their due date. I so hate that statistic because I was right there with it. I was seven days past my due date mm-hmm. and I every single day after it, I was like, no. Like this baby is never coming.
1: You <laughs> kept saying that. I like know. I'm just not gonna go into labor.
0: <laughs> I just was so mad when I saw other women who had my due date having their babies And I was like, oh, great, cool. He's so comfortable and he's just never coming. This is awesome.
1: It's hard when clients their entire pregnancy are like, I just have a feeling my baby's coming early. (laughs) I just know. I'm like, oh, no. no." (laughs) (laughs) For some of you, that's going to be true. But for most of you, it's not. (laughs) Totally. But
0: we just want you guys to know, like, do not freak out is the first thing. If you reach your due date and you still haven't had your baby, don't freak out. You are not the only one. We're here to support you. And we're here to tell you some things that you can do to hopefully get this baby moving on out. So let's talk about some of the reasons why you might want to naturally induce your
1: labor. Well, we just discussed one. Yeah. You're super uncomfortable. Being uncomfortable is, you know, it's a reason. And the other one is that you might be facing a medical induction. You know, despite you know what you may feel you will not be pregnant forever but also some people's bodies just leave babies in a little bit longer than they need to stay in and different practices have different guidelines but usually if you're within OB gen in the hospital they're going to let you go about a week maybe a few days more than a week over your due date and if you're having your baby Outside of the hospital with a midwife, you can only go until you're 42 weeks past your due date with most midwives and legally in most states. And so maybe you're facing a medical induction in a few days and you're like, I got to get this baby out.
0: That's a good reason to want to get baby out on your own because inductions are serious business. So let's try and do an induction on ourselves with all the natural ways. But I also want to talk about reasons why you should not want to induce your labor. Just because you want your baby born on a certain day or you want your doctor to be on call or you want to make sure all your family is there, these are not reasons to have your baby on a certain day. It's not the best to rush it if those are your reasons. For health reasons and trying to avoid an induction, yes, but not when it comes to like these vanity purposes. We really recommend to wait it out and baby will come when baby is ready.
1: And having a medical induction does increase your risk of having a cesarean section. And if you are planning to try and have an unmedicated birth, being medically induced definitely makes that more difficult. For sure. So
0: when should we try to have a natural way of inducing labor,
1: Marianne? When should this all start? I definitely would never recommend any hard induction things until you reach your due date. So don't do anything that really is going to start getting you contracting until you've reached your due date. But it can be helpful to start encouraging your body to get ready for labor up to a week before your due date. So we're going to go through lots of different things that you can do for a quote unquote natural induction. And some of them really are like induction techniques. And some of them are more just preparation techniques to get your body ready leading up to your due date.
0: And we'll tell you which ones we recommend that you can do beforehand and it's okay, or others that you should really wait until it's way past.
1: And when it comes to induction, my favorite analogy is the standing on a cliff analogy. So if you're like way back away from the edge of a cliff and you do some of these things, it's just gonna inch you forward. So if your body really is not ready to go into labor and you're way back away from the edge of the cliff and you do every single thing on this list, none of these things at least are going to make you go into labor. But if you're right on the edge of the cliff, if your body just needs a little flick for you to go over and into labor, yeah, a little bit of encouragement and you're standing on the edge of the cliff, then some of these things might actually work. You know, your body has to be ready itself for anything to truly set you into labor.
0: For sure. All right. So we're going to get started. Some of the ways to naturally induce labor. So the first thing that we want to talk about is nipple stimulation, because this is one of the most reliable options out there.
1: Yes. When your nipples are stimulated, you produce oxytocin. So like when maybe your nipples are stimulated during sexy time or your nipples are stimulated because you have a breastfeeding baby, both of those real life scenarios make you produce oxytocin. And oxytocin is also the hormone that you produce that makes you contract during labor. Absolutely. So
0: how are we supposed to do this nipple stimulation? Okay. So when I first tell families or I should say pregnant women, that they should start nipple stimulation, the first thing they think is just this light little, you know, stimulating their nipples, like rubbing them both.
1: I always have dads who are like, are you going to do it? I'm like, no. No, (laughs) No, I'm not.
0: (laughs) No, no, no. That's y'all's job. So that's something that we want to talk about is how to properly do nipple stimulation. And the first thing is you want to start just doing it one-sided. Mary Alice, tell me how you recommend people to do it because normally I'm telling people you want to do it a little bit firmer using like your thumb and your index finger and rolling your nipple and the areola and pulling as if you had a baby sucking on it. But what do you tell people?
1: Yeah, that's what I tell people to do that and really to use, you know, pressure. It shouldn't hurt, but it should be uncomfortable uncomfortable and pulling and usually – people will feel their uterus contracting. They'll feel a little bit of cramping.
0: Yeah, and that's the goal. That's what we want. So you want to do it for about five minutes, then take a break for about 15 minutes. If you see if anything happens, continue to the next breast. But after 15 minutes, you know, hopefully the contractions will begin, you know, to fizzle out. But stimulate that other breast. So... Rather than just you doing it and rolling your nipples, like Mary Alice said, you could have your partner do this like an oral massage on your nipples.
1: He or she could also do it with their hands and you could turn off the lights and have everyone leave and kind of like, you know, make it a little intimate and then you'll produce even more oxytocin. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And if both of those options just don't
0: sound like something that you would be very good at, you could always use your breast pump if you have your breast pump before you have your babies. Because I know some people wait until after their baby is there, so then they can use their insurance and get a pump. But if you do, use your breast pump because it's super effective. And it's also a good way to kind of test out the equipment. And if you do get any colostrum, you can then save it, which is awesome.
1: Yes. And if you're ever doing this in the hospital, you can usually ask them if you can borrow their hospital grade breast pump. Like if you're already being induced, but you want to kind of try and get some things going on your own, you can usually ask them for a breast pump totally
0: so let's see we just said, only massage one breast at one time. Don't stimulate the breast during a contraction. Let it kind of fizzle a little bit before you go on the next breast. And don't use nipple stimulation after contractions are like three minutes apart and one minute long.
1: Right. Once they're in that good pattern, you don't need it anymore. Yeah. You are continue body's to torture yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: So if contractions start coming closer together, just take a break and let nature take its course. And you don't want it to be too gentle, as like we were saying. Make sure that it's feeling like a baby's on your breast or your breast pump is trying to suck the milk right out of you.
1: So the next thing that you can do to induce your labor or prepare your body for labor is to have sex. I'm not saying that having sex one time the night before your induction is going to put you into labor, but having sex prepares your body for labor in several ways. First of all, when you orgasm, it causes you to contract. Again, you produce oxytocin, which can cause contractions. And then the orgasm itself usually is a contraction of your uterus as well. Um, The other thing is that in semen are prostaglandins, and prostaglandins ripen and efface your cervix. And so if you're with a male partner, you want him to orgasm as well. And don't, like, run to the bathroom and clean yourself up. Like, pretend like you're getting pregnant again and lay in bed. Do what you need to do. Just kind of lay there and let it all... Soak. Yeah. <laughs> Soak up. That's kind of a interesting visual. But it, anyway, let it happen. Because if you do go in for a medical induction, they will use a synthetic prostaglandin before they start pitocin to soften and efface your cervix. And so you're just doing that at home. Yeah.
0: And I know that a lot of women are not as interested in sex towards the end of their pregnancy. I know I wasn't. I was like, y'all, I have so much going on in my body with this baby. Like you can't shove another thing inside me. Like I just, it won't fit. I'm just done. I can't. So like Mary Alice was saying, even just the orgasms, it's usually like a contraction of itself. And
1: you're still producing oxytocin.
0: So just even a little bit of... You know, masturbation or anything to kind of get things going can actually help. But I will recommend trying to have sex regularly. I know it's not really for your pleasure, it's for getting baby out. So just try and make it fun. Exactly.
1: (laughs) Don't torture (laughs) yourself.
0: (laughs) Exactly. But I know at the end of the day, if you're trying to avoid that induction, you'll do all the things that you can avoid it.
1: And just a PSA, if your water has broken, don't stick anything inside of your vagina. So don't have penetrative sex if your water is broken. But outside stimulation and having an orgasm can still be a great way to get contractions going if your water breaks before your labor really starts. Totally. So the third
0: thing is pretty common what people know and are hopefully doing at this point of their pregnancy because they're trying to encourage baby to come out. And that's exercise. So cardio, stair climbing, squats, getting low and using gravity to your advantage and really getting things going. So get to move in. That can really help.
1: My favorite series of exercises to recommend to women at the end of their pregnancy is to have them go on a walk around their block, walk for, you know, 10 to 30 minutes, really get their hips moving, creates a lot of extra space in their pelvis. And then when they get home to sit on a birth ball and swing their hips around on a birth ball or to squat, which will, again, immediately after walking, help that baby move down onto your cervix and help you to hopefully efface and dilate.
0: Yeah, at this part of your pregnancy, Usually your care provider is then saying, okay, you should be walking as much as you can. So 30 minutes a day is really good. I know for me to get my baby out, I was walking almost every day. And the day before I went into labor, I walked the entire Herman Park and how many miles is that? Like eight miles, something know. like that. Oh I didn't know you did that. <laughs> yeah. And then I went to Chipotle and had some really spicy food. And, and we'll then, get to that. Exactly. <laughs> and then the, next the baby came and I was so excited. But yeah, walking as much as you can as you feel comfortable like we obviously yeah do not push yourself to something that you're not used to doing or cannot handle because if you do go into labor and you're so dead tired then you're gonna gonna be tired energy yeah you're gonna be tired for labor you can't handle it so again walking 30 minutes every day and pushing your body and doing those squats get low to the ground
1: girl So the next one, following Nina's story, is labor-inducing foods. So a lot of the ones you'll hear are mostly old wives' tales, but a lot of them are probably worth a try. And side note, the origin of old wives' tale is actually old midwives' tale, because during a birth, your whole community would be there, and people would sit around and spread, you know, have you tried this? Have you tried that? Have you tried that? And so it was an old midwives' tale. But we've condensed it to old wives' wives' tales, so Mm. I love that story. But- you know, some of the foods that might help are pineapple. There's an enzyme in pineapple that's said to ripen your cervix. And then, of course, spicy food. And spicy food actually does have some science behind it because when you eat something spicy, it stimulates your bowels, if you've ever had that experience. And when you stimulate your bowels, it can also stimulate uterine contractions. Yeah.
0: And I normally really liked spicy food. And when I was pregnant, oh, you couldn't put enough spicy stuff on my food. I loved it. So I knew that okay I did this really long walk I need two scoops of the extra hot sauce on my chipotle bowl so that's what I did it was real spicy and sure enough it got things going (laughs) and I was so grateful Okay, so after you've had all that spicy food, you may want something to drink. (laughs) (laughs) And something that we recommend is it's called raspberry leaf tea. Now, this is something that you can find at your local drugstore, at your grocery store, pretty much anywhere. And you want to make sure it's raspberry leaf tea, not raspberry tea. And you can drink one cup a day throughout your whole third trimester. So it's really good. It's actually like a uterine toner. So it's prepping that uterus of yours. So good strong uterus will have really good strong contractions. And it's also good for afterbirth too.
1: Yes. And if you ever go to the store and you're looking for red raspberry leaf tea and you don't think you can find it, look at anything that labels itself a pregnancy tea or a third trimester tea and look at the ingredients and it's usually red raspberry leaf.
0: Yeah. And it actually tastes pretty good. If it doesn't taste that great to you, you can add a little honey to it. That's usually what did it for me. If I didn't find something that made me excited to drink.
1: And red raspberry leaf tea probably won't induce your labor, your no. day before your induction, you're going to drink a cup and call it a day. It probably is not going to work. But it's a good thing to go ahead and do ahead of time. It helps to prepare your body. And it makes your uterus work more efficiently. Before you get pregnant, your uterus is just this like conglomerate of unorganized muscle fibers. And throughout your pregnancy, those fibers start to align. And they start to organize themselves so that they can work really hard and efficiently during labor. And red raspberry leaf tea is a uterine toner that helps your uterus do that work.
0: All right, so the next thing we want to talk about is labor induction massages. Okay, as a former massage therapist, I have done tons of these. I went and got my certification to specialize in prenatal massage, labor massage, labor induction massage, postpartum massage, as well as infant massage. And you really want to make sure that the massage therapist that you are meeting with is knowledgeable and experienced when it comes to labor induction massages. Something that people will sometimes do because they know that it, a lot of the acupressure points are in their feet and lower legs, they'll go and get a pedicure. But I will say that it's just as helpful, if not more so, to really see someone who specializes in this because they know exactly what to press and how long and what to stimulate. And they can then show you those points so then you can do those at home with your partner. So The great thing about having that massage is, first, it's not just the lower part of your body. It should be a full body massage because something that a lot of women tend to be towards the end of their pregnancy is stressed out and just tense. And the more tense you are, the less you're allowing your body to just let go and release those muscles. So not only are we focusing on parts of your body that stimulate those contractions, We're also working on muscles and ligaments that really might be a little tense and too tight and that just need a little encouragement to loosen up, get that baby nice and low to press on that cervix. So that's what we're working on. Sometimes they'll have you sit on your birth ball while they're working on certain parts of your body. But talk about different things with your massage therapist to make sure you know what you're getting yourself into. Usually I tell people like, okay, you're going to be on a birth ball for a while. Then we're going to have you on a chair and we're going to do different things. So it's a little bit different. I have them wear a Velcro towels, so they're still covered, but I still have access to everything that I need to get to. And I will say, one labor induction massage typically does not put you in labor. I will say I have had several women do go into labor after just one, but I usually recommend three appointments. And again, I usually won't touch anyone until they are after their due date because I don't want to do anything or mess anything up until... I know that it's okay for your baby to come out. So I usually recommend three appointments and it's every 48 to 72 hours. So hopefully it then happens before your induction date. So all of those things, as well as you going home and showing your partner where to press, those things can really help your body get ready for labor.
1: Perfect. And along the same lines of being relaxed and having no tension, another thing you can do is take a warm bath. There's a lot of evidence that shows that stress and being upright can really keep you from going into labor. And so anything that relaxes you, having a warm bath, getting a massage, going and getting a pedicure, it's not an option for everyone. But if you can stop working and that stress of your job can just melt away, I've seen so many people go into labor like the day or the weekend after they stop working.
0: Yeah. Or at least work from home. If they won't let you stop working, then ask if you can work from home because even just being in the comfort of your own home can really help you and your body relax and do what it
1: needs to do. Not having to go on your commute. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Okay. Evening primrose oil. Now, evening primrose oil is really supposed to what we think help ripen and soften your cervix. I will say that it works really well for some women and it doesn't really do it doesn't much do for years. I will say I know someone who was like, oh my gosh, I did this one night, went into labor with both of my babies with evening primrose oil. I did it for like a week and nothing happened.
1: But your cervix was really soft.
0: Okay, well then maybe there's as that. someone who
1: felt it <laughs> let me tell you.
0: <laughs> That's true. Mary Alice was at my birth. So if you guys didn't know that, she was one of my midwives and helped me out. So thank God my cervix was soft, but it didn't
1: get me into
0: labor right. Which it I was did really not hoping. Induce your liver. No, no,
1: no, no. <laughs> no. So the way that evening primrose works is that your body converts it to a prostaglandin, the same way that semen has prostaglandins in it. You would insert it vaginally. You can do about three capsules. They're usually a thousand milligrams, but You want to check. Yeah. And it actually doesn't need to be exactly that. But, you know, you can insert a bunch into your vagina and you can poke little holes in them if you want to or just insert them in and your body will melt them away. And it sits up there near your cervix and it's very direct. It's right there on your cervix and helping to soften it. But I tell people, you know, do it at night. Put a pad on because it can get really leaky. But if you had sex that night, you don't have to do it. It's the same thing basically as having sex and having the semen sit in there.
0: You may even want a towel because sometimes Times it may seep out of your pad and get a little leaky. So I'm just saying, just in case. Not a big towel but just a towel just in case you never know (laughs) protect
1: your sheets (laughs) some midwives will also recommend taking it orally because women who take evening primrose oil orally before they get pregnant it helps to regulate their hormones so at the end of your pregnancy if you take it orally it can also be said to regulate your hormones but definitely check with your healthcare provider before you do that definitely
0: okay this next one that we're going to talk about you guys it is one of the most controversial induction
1: methods out there It's called castor oil. Mm -hmm. Some people swear by it and some practitioners are like never use castor oil. Yeah. What's your personal thought on that, Mary Alice? I have definitely seen it work several times. I've seen it work. The way that castor oil works is that it stimulates your bowels and, you know, it's a laxative. And so you have lots and lots of usually diarrhea and it's usually very unpleasant. Lots of people vomit and get really nauseous from it. But when it stimulates your bowels, it also stimulates your uterus to start contracting the same way that spicy food does. But it's just stronger than that. The controversy is that there are some studies that suggest that it increases the likelihood that the baby will pass meconium in utero, which can be a sign of fetal distress. But that's inconclusive as to whether that's due to the stress from contractions caused by taking the castor oil or if the meconium is just more likely to be there because most women who are taking castor oil are very overdue. And overdue babies tend to pass meconium in utero. There really isn't any conclusive evidence either way. Yeah, for
0: sure. So this is not something that we really recommend much at all, and if it is something that you're going to do, I recommend doing it like the night before your induction if you're going to be induced, but really, we try to avoid this at all costs. Luckily, I didn't have to use this because it really does cause that cramping and diarrhea and vomiting, like Mariala said.
1: It's a last-ditch effort. Yeah. It is, even for midwives who really do use it, I don't know any doctors who personally recommend no. it, but for midwives who recommend it, it's a last-ditch effort. It's like, we have to take you to the hospital if you don't. Yeah go ahead and go into labor. So the dosage for that is about two ounces of castor oil in a glass of orange juice. Or I think it's better if you put it in a smoothie or a milkshake or something yeah. that kind of hides the texture of it. And then repeat that four to six hours later if you're not having any contractions. But I will say it does usually work.
0: Yeah, it smells and tastes, (laughs) not that I've ever tasted it, but I can imagine because of the smell, so gross. And I know several of my clients who actually have used this trying to get their baby out and it is not pleasant. But again, y'all talk to your maternity care provider before you ever touch this. They'll probably say no, no, no. But it is something if you're just really, really wanting to avoid a medical induction. Okay, so speaking of some other medical inductions, because this I would consider something that you would need a medical provider to help you with, and it's membrane sweeping or stripping of your membranes.
1: Yes. So the way that this works is your doctor or your midwife does a vaginal exam, like checking your dilation. And you have to be at least about two centimeters dilated because they have to be able to get their fingers inside of your cervix. And then they kind of twirl their fingers around, which will separate the amniotic sac from the wall of your uterus. And that alone can release prostaglandins and it can also stimulate some people to start having contractions. Now, I have heard tons of dual clients say that this was just like the most painful thing they ever experienced, but I've also done it on like at least 20 women who have said it didn't hurt. So I don't know if like, it depends I'm on just the just more gentle. I was going to or... say, I think it
0: depends on how gentle <laughs> yeah. you are maybe then.
1: <laughs> but like I'm being, I'm really doing it. I'm not like not doing it. I don't know what it is, but some people really, really find this uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, so that's when I normally recommend that you need a partner with you, like a support person to hold your hand through that because it is not pleasant. And I do want to say that guys, this is one of the least effective forms of induction. So just because you get this done doesn't mean that you're going to go into labor. I do know plenty of people who after they got their membranes swept, they were like, Oh, labor going on within hours yes. or that night. But I don't ever want you guys to think that because some people do it and like nothing
1: happens. And what I've seen more than anything, more than nothing happening and more than it sending you into labor is I've seen people just get really crampy and uncomfortable or have very long early labors or like a lot of false labor because they have been stimulated to start contracting, but their bodies aren't actually in labor. Right. Their hormones haven't caught up to that yet. And so they just get really, you know, they're up and in the middle of the night and they think they might be in labor, but they're not. I feel like it's just their cervix irritated exactly. and results from that sweet. Exactly. And to me, this is just the ultimate example of how close to the edge of the cliff are you? Because if you're standing on the cliff, absolutely, this can definitely work. But if you are way back away from the cliff, there is no way stripping your membranes is going to make you go into labor, and it'll probably just make you uncomfortable. Yeah.
0: And some practitioners, they'll say that, okay, I will do this as early as 38 weeks, which I don't understand. We don't recommend that. Yeah, we do not recommend that. We really recommend waiting until you are 40 weeks or after to get something like that done. Again, it's a last-ditch effort before you have to be medically induced. But if someone offers that to you, I would really ask questions why and try to avoid
1: it until it's your due date. And you know, I do tell my dual clients too, prenatally when they are starting to be checked at 38, 39 weeks, I tell them to tell their doctors, please don't strip my membranes yet because I've seen doctors do it without telling anyone and they'll, you know, all of a sudden the mom is calling me. I'm really crampy. She said she stripped my membranes and I didn't even know what was going on. And so just know that if that's something that you don't want, you should be vocal about that. Definitely. Okay, so another option is acupuncture and
0: acupressure. We talked a little bit about acupressure, especially when it comes to that labor induction massage, but there's also acupuncture that's available to really help get things going. So acupuncture is when a practitioner places fine needles at various points all along your body to balance your energy flow. And acupressure is the same concept, but instead fingers are used to apply pressure instead of those fine needles. I will say when I was at the end of my pregnancy, I I did try acupuncture. Granted, I only tried it once, but it really did nothing for me. Like even during the thing, I didn't feel like any sense of relief or relaxation or whatever. And I've had acupuncture before and I've felt like relaxation and other things, but for the one that was specifically for like labor induction, it literally did nothing for me. So I want people to know that sometimes it does nothing. But then again, I know other people who go to one appointment, acupuncture appointment, and literally have contractions starting like as soon as they're done off yeah. the table.
1: And I know people who have acupuncture during like dysfunctional labors. So like really long early labors or labors that start and stop and start and stop. And I've seen really cool things. And again, I've seen lots of people who. It does nothing.
0: Yeah. But it's something to consider. Again, if you are just trying to avoid that medical induction, I say go for it. Why not? You don't want to say what it is. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, finding someone who specializes with this type of practice when it comes to acupuncture is so important because you don't want just someone sticking needles wherever. And it's actually not supposed to even start <laughs> doing anything to your uterus. So So, definitely find someone who knows what they're doing.
1: So the last one we have is herbs and tinctures, and we definitely want a disclaimer here that herbs are not regulated by the FDA, and they can be dangerous if they're not taken at proper dosages. We really do recommend that you find an herbalist or a midwife who knows a lot about herbs before you start fiddling with them. They really are just very strong and potent, but some herbs that have traditionally been used to induce labor include black and blue cohoshes and cotton root bark. And definitely, again, Consult your doctor or your midwife before you use any herbs that are very strong. But the one thing that is on the market that I like to recommend to people and that lots of different practitioners do recommend, and Nina took it throughout her pregnancy, is called gentle birth. And gentle birth is not an herb that is actually used to induce your labor, but it's something that you take throughout the last five weeks of your pregnancy that helps, again, kind of like red raspberry leaf tea and evening primrose oil, it helps to prepare your body for labor. And it claims to shorten your labor. And Nina had a nice, short little labor. I was going to say,
0: guys, I don't know if... If it's just like the placebo effect or whatever, but I was religious with this thing. Mm -hmm. I made sure that I was taking it because I read so many reviews Mm -hmm. on, oh my gosh, I have this with every birth and all of my labors have been short or I didn't have it for my first birth and that was long, but I took it for my second and that really helped. And It could be nothing, but I swear I went from three centimeters to almost fully complete How
1: long? In like an hour and a half. Yeah. It was not very much time. Yeah. It was a little crazy. And that's my
0: first baby. Yeah. Like that's not typical for first time births. Mm -hmm. And I was very religious on taking that gentle birth. And that's why I totally recommend it to anyone who's interested.
1: And there are two different formulas of gentle birth. And one of them does have black and blue cohosh in it, which are very strong herbs and shouldn't be taken if you have any blood pressure issues. So I would still highly recommend that you talk to your doctor or your midwife before you take it.
0: Yeah. Before you take anything, honestly, you need to be consulting your care provider
1: for sure. All right, Nina. Okay. You in labor yet? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably good. <laughs> All right. So guys,
0: even these methods or interventions, it's always best to eat right, exercise, rest, and
1: just really enjoy those last few days of pregnancy as much as you can. Sometimes just enjoying and letting go is what you know, what makes you go into labor. Exactly. Stop working, put the phone down, take a warm bath, have your partner rub your feet, eat
0: something nice and spicy and then get spicy in the bedroom. I'm just <laughs> saying it could get things going. It starts spontaneously, right? Does things sound fun. <laughs> <laughs> but for the ladies that need a little extra help to get things going, we really do hope that these options help you guys. Okay, so did you guys successfully induce your own labor naturally? Tell us about it or join the conversation on our Facebook page at Baby Chick, where we'll be posting today's episode and answering questions in the comments. And as always, subscribe to Chick Chat, the Baby Chick podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and of course, our website, www.baby-chick.com.